Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. This is episode 139 with CEO and founder of Wiggler Group and MHW Live Music, Matt Wiggler. And if you want to make a difference in the lives of others, share this episode, go over to Apple Podcasts and follow us there to leave a positive rating and review. And together we can leave a bigger positive mark on the world. So I want to give a a short introduction to Matt Wiggler. He is not only an entrepreneur, but he's also a musical artist and public speaker based out of Miami, Florida. So he founded and is the CEO of MHW Live Music and Wiggler Group, and he has an active career as a jazz and blues artist, which is really cool because I am not musically inclined at all. So I'm excited to hear more about that and how that kind of bleeds over into entrepreneurship. He performs with his trio at venues and festivals around the world, but he also speaks on topics including entrepreneurship, business-to-business sales, and building strong company culture uh, now in a remote work environment. So Matt, thank you so much for being on Pencil Leadership today. Thanks, Chris. Great to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. So how long have you been a blues and jazz artist, man? Well, I started playing music professionally when I was really still like a little kid. I was in high school in Maryland and started playing with some really great local bands up there in the Washington, D.C. area. So, yeah, basically I started, you know, working in that capacity, you know, as a young teenager You know, one of the interesting, we'll get into this, but, you know, all musicians, basically, whether they know it or not, are entrepreneurs. (laughs) Yeah, they're branding uh, themselves at least, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of cool and interesting metaphors and through lines between music and all kinds of other areas of life. Sure. Yeah. I'm excited to dive into that, too, because I love music. Like I said, I'm not musically inclined, though. I mean, I could try to sing, and I don't know if you'd call it music coming out or melody or anything, but what music can do just with people and cultures and just, I think, it bring the best out in people. So I'm excited to yeah, see that correlation. It looks like we have somebody else from Miami listening in on Facebook. So hello there. Yeah, another, My, what do you call yourselves, Miamiites? <laughs> I'm not sure what you call I don't know it. What they, yeah. The person from Miami can see that it's, well, actually, I was going to say, it's raining where I am, but that doesn't okay. mean it's raining where your other listener gotcha. is. Gotcha. So sometimes in Miami, it'll be raining on 7th Street, but it's not raining on 8th Street. <laughs> That's Florida for you, right? Yeah. Well, cool. Well, so do you play saxophone, or is that the only <laughs> instrument in jazz and blue? What else is there? I play piano. Oh, cool. Okay. So like a little Billy Joel kind of thing? Yeah, I play piano and I sing. And generally, my own group, when we go out and play, is usually piano, bass, and drums. That's cool. No, I don't fault you for that. Most people don't. Yeah. I think saxophone and then I think Ron Burgundy playing the jazz flute. Yeah, yeah. jazz flute. Yeah, so, okay. You can play jazz on any instrument. Jazz is really just, you know, a style or... or, Mm, That makes sense. I guess that's that's true. Yeah. One of the things that I always talk about with my musician friends, and this has a great application to all kinds of other areas, is that my personal view is that people overcomplicate things a lot. And so, like, for example, with music, there's only 12 notes. And within that, it can get very complicated and very, you know, whatever. People go really deep into it. But at the end of the day, it's like, what's the big picture about this here? You know, these 
instruments that we play in different combinations and these harmonies and melodies. And you think, well, wait a minute, there's only 12 notes, right? So um, <laughs> it's how you use them and how you, you know, combine them, right? That makes it. Yeah, exactly. People would be surprised within different styles of music that really it's like a language where there's a lot in common between the different styles, hmm. the melodies and the harmonies that you hear in a pop song, you know, that you hear on the radio are very similar to something that people were composing 500 years ago. You know, it, has, yeah. it doesn't change that much. And that's a really intriguing point, too. And it kind of with entrepreneurship, you know, there's not really anything new under the sun. It's just how we're presenting it now and how we're incorporating the different pieces of building businesses and that all that goes into that. So I think that's a really great point. There's so much, though, that you could get lost in music and entrepreneurship. So I like how they kind of go in tandem. But I'm sure along the way, you've had a lot of help and a lot of people kind of that you've learned from in music or business, I guess, who have been some of your big mentors so far? So I've had some amazing music mentors. Okay, I had, I would say, three very influential music teachers growing up that were amazing, especially there was a band that was very well known in the DC area when I was growing up, the Deanna Bogart band. I remember one time I went out with my dad to hear them play, and we went up to the Deanna, the band leader, and you know we tried to convince her to give me piano lessons, right? And it <laughs> took a few rounds of convincing, and finally she said, "Okay, fine." And after a couple of years, I ended up actually, play, you know, starting to play with the band. We would go out and play. You know, I would be a member of the band sometimes. That's awesome. And they become family friends and all of that. So musical mentors, and then you know, business mentors. Yeah, I would say starting most importantly with my dad, who mm -hmm. also is an entrepreneur. I'm out meeting people all the time. You know, yeah. I, have, I have great mentors from business school at University of Miami. I had a great experience there and became friendly with a lot of the professors there and people in the community. So, yeah, I mean, one of the big misconceptions that I think people have is this idea that you have to figure everything out by yourself. <laughs> right. You do it by yourself. Yeah. It's yeah. actually more about bringing people together and mm -hmm. letting them do it rather yeah. than figuring it out yourself. Yeah, I think that's a great point because – we don't know everything, and if we're trying to do it on our own, it's going to take such a longer time span because we're going to hit the same mistakes that these mentors that we've had have been through and that they've learned from and they can share with us. And like you mentioned, if you can bring these people around you, they're going to have strengths that you can lean into versus, you know, I'm not good at everything. And so if you can bring teammates around you that are better at certain things, that's going to help you get the job done at a different rate as well. What are some things that you've really learned from your mentors so far along your journey? Some really like key gold nuggets, I guess, that you're like, oh my gosh, that, that was gold. Well, I would say one of the really interesting things about starting with learning how to be a professional musician mm -hmm. is that the horizon of time that it takes to accomplish something. One of the interesting things is that musicians, whether they've realized it consciously or whether it's in, you know, kind of subconscious, Everybody knows this. It's going to take someone 10 years of practicing hours every single day. You know, that mm. type of discipline over that long of a time period to be able to have somebody pay you 200 bucks to go out and play <laughs> your instrument. Right? I mean, just think about that. For yep. And this idea that, you know, in other words, starting a business is in some ways easier because you could <laughs> make a living. It doesn't take you 10 years to make a living if you start going out there and doing it. But the mm -hmm. point is that. 
having that long-term vision and long-term time horizon and patience, but not patience like waiting around for something to happen. Patience like I'm doing it every day, you know, doing what I need to do, staying on my track. That's mm -hmm. why it's good to have mentors because the people who have done it before can help you see if you're on track. Yep. But then having an understanding that things take a long time to come to fruition. I think one of the biggest issues that people have all over the place is this expectation that things are going to happen really fast. Or you hear about these unicorn kind of things <laughs> out of the news. And, you know, I read something. I'm going to misquote this because I just read it yesterday. I think it was Steve Jobs. And the quote was something to the effect of overnight successes. If you look closely, usually. Was that a quote from yours, Steph? Uh, Usually, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I read this yesterday. You know, overnight successes, if you look closely, usually they actually took a long time. Yeah. yeah. I think I heard Elon Musk or something say they didn't see the, you know, the 20 years and the sleepless nights and all that yeah, uh, exactly. and the, that's of the overnight success. Yeah. Well, right. Oh, it's an overnight success. But wait a minute. You know, you worked, you know, 12 hours a day for 10 years. Well, it's not mm -hmm. really an overnight success. Maybe this is relevant to some of your listeners. I mean, if you start, then... You're on the path. Look, somebody who starts young and then 10 years later, they're still relatively young. Wow, that's amazing. Look how they did that. But Or if you start, it doesn't matter if you start young or old. But the point is, things take a long time, right? You yeah. don't see when you go to hear a concert at the you know music hall and the, somebody's up there playing on the stage. You didn't see the practicing for eight hours a day for the last you know 10 years. You just see yeah. they make it look easy, right? Yeah. So that's, Absolutely. that's what's happened. And I see it in podcasters. I see it in entrepreneurs is they overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10. And I mean, it's a long-term game. And these people that you see that are quote unquote overnight su success in your eyes is exactly what you say is like, we don't see the work and the effort in the background in the years before, but musician, podcaster, entrepreneur, whatever it is. If we're doing, like you said, if you show up every day, have the patience as in, hey, I know this is going to take some time and we're putting in the work, that's going to start compounding. And eventually that success is going to start coming at a more rapid rate than it did when you started. But you've got to stick with it and keep going and not stop and then start again because that's just going to you know, delay that inevitable success if you just stay with it. Yep, absolutely. Well, and we'll talk about the compounding because mm. – this is one of the main things that we talk about with our clients at Wiggler Group. And a lot of people, for whatever reason, are impatient or I mean, it makes sense. But the compounding, we can get into this later, but the compounding when it comes to sales is mm -hmm. a very important thing that basically when you're reaching out, developing awareness in your market for whatever it is that you whatever service or product you know whatever you sell usually not much happens in the beginning and a lot yeah. of people get discouraged and maybe they give up after six months or 12 months or 18 months and they mm -hmm. don't see that you know there's some point in the future where it's going to be really good yeah it's like you're chipping away and sometimes some people just get one inch from where the gold is and then they give yep. up, you know, things like that. Yeah. It's so sad to think about how many people have quit just shy of like that breakthrough. And you don't know where the breakthrough is going to come. Right. It's hidden, right? Mm -hmm. so that's why it's a difficult sort of an exercise. Yep. Again, I think if it was super easy, everyone obviously would be successful in doing it. And I think that's the reason I think it's to create those people, you know, that they have to go through those rough times, the work to get there. 
to really have a good foundation, to really have the good perspective. Like, hey, yeah, because you get to new levels, like you get different successes and it's a new difficulty. There's new things that are hard. And so like when you get to a certain point, you look back at like, you know, when I started, I thought that was hard, but now what I'm having to deal with, this is harder. And so it's it's just a change of levels. And I think what you said there about like the compounding on fails and things like that. So pencil leadership, the second and third traits have to kind of do with that. Second is that pencils go through sharpenings to have a better point and they're hard and they take part of us away. And then the third is that they have an eraser to fix mistakes. And we do the same thing. We have hard times that make us different, change us, and we mess up, but we can always work on fixing those. So through your career so far, through your entrepreneurial journey, your music journey, what hard things have you experienced? What mistakes have you experienced that have shaped you and made you better? And how did you go about kind of compounding those fails? Let me give you the short summary here. (laughs) So I started my first company, MHW Live Music, May 2016. That's like five and a half years Mm -hmm. ago. And we do the live entertainment programming. And all that means is if you go into a nice hotel and you see like a guy playing guitar in the lobby or you see a DJ out of the pool and you see different musicians that are performing in the areas of the hotel... We manage that program of entertainment. At this moment, we have about 70 hotels that we do that for around the country. So that's the first business. As you can imagine, when every hotel in the whole world shut down on March 20th, I think it was, Mm -hmm. 2020, we went to zero for a while. All the vendors and hotel-related people went to zero. And coming out of that, I started Wiggler Group with the theory that we had developed a good business-to-business sales process for the live music company that maybe we could do that on behalf of clients Mm. and they could outsource basically the cold calling and the appointment setting so that the business owner could just, you know, take the meeting and focus on the more fun stuff. Right. Okay. So with that being the background, the biggest thing that I learned coming out of that COVID shutdown to answer your question. So we had a great, we still have, as she's still with us, but at the time that everything shut down, we had found an amazing salesperson. And there was a question about, are we going to keep her, even though we didn't really have any money to keep her? Are we going to let her, you know, what are we going to do? So after going back and forth on it for a while, we decided to keep her working full time through the whole pandemic. And if you can imagine, she was calling hotel managers in you know June of 2020, asking them about live entertainment at their bars and their restaurants. Can you imagine how outrageous wow. that must have sounded? Yeah. Right? But you know, we said, look, we see this as an opportunity to get to know each other because 18 months from now, which is right now, mm-hmm. we want you to call us back. And so now they're all calling People us back. People are calling us back. That's awesome. You can't imagine. I mean, just the other day, talking to my business partner, we were here in the office together, and his phone is just ringing back to back to back the whole day. And I said, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Because we all work from home usually, right? So yeah. I said, oh, my God, last time I was in the office with you before COVID, we were lucky if we would get one phone call in a week. <laughs> and now your phone is ringing. You know, you're getting, you're getting you know 10 calls in a row the whole day. I mean, it was just... That compounding of all of the work that we've done for the last two years, now we're finally starting to see it Mm. return an amazing result. Example of how long it takes to get something done. That's what I was going to say is people listening to this, like 
Matt and then went two years with really no results, but they're putting in the work, you know, doing the calls, meeting with people, you know, connecting with people for two years. And now it's starting to show that fruit is starting to come from the seeds they planted. And so think of it that way. I mean, starting a business, a podcast, whatever it is, put in the work and it's not going to happen overnight. You know, extend it, give yourself a five year goal and just go to work and do the right things. Get a mentor, become part of a program, something that can guide you in how to do these processes, whether building a podcast, building a business and stick with it. It's good. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to have ups and downs like Matt and I both have been there, but you just got to keep moving forward. And I think Matt just shows that as a testament, like just keep doing it through a pandemic, even two years of putting in the work, creating those relationships and that fruit started to show. And you know, what's funny is a lot of people asked in the beginning of the pandemic, are you going to pivot? Like, are you going to change what your business does? And I said, no, absolutely not. Because what we do is relevant. It's just not relevant now. Everything's shut down. But as soon as everything opens again, we knew that it was relevant. We knew that we had a little niche that was unique that nobody else is really capturing the way that we are. And so I said, let's take this as an opportunity right? To really get a big head start when everything reopens. If you pivot every six months, then you never get it. Keep going in circles, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's an interesting challenge because I agree with you, five-year vision, even Mm. a 10-year or 20-year vision. One of the interesting things, and I didn't realize this, for example, until I went to business school at University of Miami and actually met some people that are like this because I hadn't really been around people with this attitude growing up you know, in high school or whatever. But, you know, for example, I met some people over there who had really old family real estate businesses, things uh, like that. Some of them have a 100-year horizon. You can imagine that. You know, these really wealthy families or whatever. Yeah. Well, think about it. I mean, the longer your vision, the longer your horizon. I'm sure Warren Buffett has a, you know, 50 <laughs> Super year, long, right, year, yeah. A real, there's a really long horizon. That will really... Get you focused on the fundamentals, I think. You know, yeah. it's not about the what's hot, you know, between today and tomorrow. That is not very exciting to most <laughs> young people because I think especially the economy or the cycle we're in at this moment is a very, I don't know if we want to get into this too much, but there's a lot of sort of get rich quick kind of mm-hmm. fluffy stuff happening out there right now. But to me, if you have a long-term horizon, then that brings you back to the fundamentals. The hardest part is you ask someone, okay, I want to start a business. I have my five-year vision. How do I know that I'm on track from one day to the next within that five-year period? I think that's the most challenging thing yeah. across the board. That's the most challenging. If you said, I love playing the piano, I want to learn how to be a great piano player, five years is a realistic horizon. You could be quite good after five years. You work on it every day. But how do you know that you're practicing the right things that are getting you towards that goal when you can't see the progress from one day to the next, just like you can't see the hour hand moving on a clock? So that's where, you know, like you said, a mentor. I mean, I know that almost sounds like, you know, it's like kind of boring advice. (laughs) Okay, fine. But, you know, how do you know that you're on track from one day to the next? Yeah. I can tell you sort of, at least with respect to the sales part of the business, I have kind of a, a good opinion, I think, about how to know that you're on track with that. But that's very important because, like I said, you can't see the 
hour hand moving from one day to the next. Right. You've got to keep it going for that long period. Yeah. And I think with that, just knowing what's the right thing, because I mean, there's so many shiny objects out there and there's so many, you know, little things people want to incorporate that don't necessarily matter, especially early on yeah. that you waste time, you waste energy on. So focusing on the things that really truly matter and really collecting that data or really measuring, having the metrics so you know, like what the goal is and then reverse engineer it backwards. Okay, what do I need to do daily then? And am I actually doing it? I find that's a big one that people, they have so much like mental mindset blocks, paradigms, things like that, that they know what they need to do. I was there and I still am breaking some down, but it's like they know what they need to do, but there's something up in their mind that's blocking them from actually taking action on that consistently. And so I think even then, that's kind of the big shift is in your mindset, understanding it's going to be hard and then breaking down those barriers within your, you know, your pre-programmed paradigms to get those actions done each day. That is the challenge that seems to be the most universal across all people. Yeah. And I would say everybody, you know, take that five-year vision, okay? And it's like, okay, this is how I see myself. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you have an example from one of your listeners, you know, some kind of business that they're trying to start. Or- yeah. I mean, they want to become a writer. So they're okay. trying to get some blog posts. Yeah. So a writer, blogger, things like that. Now, so for example, I want to be a writer and making my living doing mm-hmm. that and having this amount of recognition and published in all these places. And then you imagine, yeah. wow, that would be so great. You know, the exercise is imagine yourself having accomplished that in five years Mm -hmm. and imagine what your sort of way of being would be in that situation. And you got to start acting like that right now. Yes. And that doesn't mean to be like cocky or whatever. It means your way of being sort of the aura that you would have or the, and it's not to sound like fluffy about this. The things that you would say and your level of comfort, picking up the phone and asking somebody for something and all of that, This is where there's a real chicken or the egg issue that a lot of people have, right? People imagine, a lot of people, I think, will say things like, well, after I've accomplished X, Y, and Z, then I'll feel comfortable picking up the phone (laughs) and asking for this. But that's never going to happen. You have to flip it the other way around. And that's why I say, imagine how you would sort of got this vision of yourself in the future. Even though it makes you uncomfortable, makes you nervous, you've got to go out there and do it now. Because that's the only way you're going to get there. People are putting the chicken before the egg or the cart before the horse, right? When they're waiting around, you know, saying, I'll do, you can't ever do this. Like, I'll feel comfortable making that call after X, Y, and Z happens because it's actually the other way around. Yeah, I think that's a huge point because if you can put yourself and visualize, see yourself as that future self. Like, what will you be like then? Like, how will you be better? How will you present yourself? Will you carry yourself? You'll have that confidence and you can go back to that and say, okay, right now I don't want to make these calls. I don't want to send these messages. I don't want to do X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. But when I'm at that point, hit my goals, like what would that person do? Yeah. What would I do then? And then that would be, okay, this is what I need to do. I need to make that call. I need to do that or things like that. I'll bring it all the way to the ground here because we're still yeah. in, in kind of like, uh, you know, which is good. We're still yeah. up in the cloud here. So it's like, okay, you want to be a writer or this is applicable across anything. You got to go out and find the people that are important that need to know you, mm-hmm. whether it's people that are publishing certain magazines or publications or whatever that is that is relevant to you. Define who those people are, write them down, use a CRM system and all that. 
you know, is the best way to do it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Write them down. And then every single day, you need to reach out to them, call them, email them, follow up. And I would say most people give up after one or two or three follow-ups. I can't tell you the number of musicians that, because I've all, you know, <laughs> obviously a lot of musician friends that yeah. I play music with. And I've heard so many people, they get all upset. Oh, I reached out to a music venue twice and they didn't <laughs> respond. Yep. Well, the typical number of follow-ups for us to get a contract for both of my companies is 20, 25, 30. It's not two or three. It's no. 20 or 30. Yep. I'm talking about it may take 10, 15, 20 follow-ups just to get somebody to initially come to a meeting with us. And then, assuming that we've selected them correctly to reach out, which we, at this point, we've got good definitions of who we want as a client, so usually we get it right. Then they say, okay, let's assume that they're in the market for what we sell, like they liked our presentation. Okay, great. Then there's 10, 15, 20 more follow-up. This is what people find hard to believe. After they've said, I love your service, I need it, I want it, send me your contract to review. There's 10 or 15 or 20 follow-ups from that point to getting it signed. Yeah. Not because there's anything wrong with them or there's anything wrong with us, but because people overestimate how important they are in the lives of the <laughs> other person. Yeah. Okay. And it's not for me to be annoying and I'm nice. And sometimes I'll go on my phone and I'll just say, you know, any update in the subject mm. line and I'll blast it off. And it's very casual and everybody understands we're just going to follow up until we get the answer and yep. we're going to be friendly yep. and that's it. But wow, it takes a lot of follow up. It does. That's the and thing. People think immediately when they reach out to someone, they'll get, you know, get an answer. Again. It's like, no, no it's like no. the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? So you just got to keep prevalent because I mean, most people, sorry, no one knows you. No one knows Thank what you, you do. And so right. you've got to get that. You've got to be known first and then you've just got to build that relationship and yep. show the value. And now your listeners are saying, oh, my God, that sounds like so much work, right? Yep. Well, it is. And that's why it's not for everybody. <laughs> and look, in the very beginning, I was doing it myself. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, knock on wood, I have <laughs> salespeople that are doing that yep. for both companies. But it takes something in order to get there. I mean, it's like we were saying before we went live here. I mean, what does it take to go from it's a side hustle to it's a full-time gig for me to it's a company? There's a yep. whole progression there. You know, and if you're going right. to do it the old-fashioned way without raising money, not there's anything wrong with raising money, but I think doing things the old-fashioned, there's nothing wrong with doing it, you know, the traditional way. You know, you got to go out there and sell enough to where you can take some of the money and use yeah. it to hire your first person, and then do it again, and then you can use it to hire your second person, and so on and so forth. Yeah. You basically have to get to 150 percent capacity. <laughs> So that you can take half of that money and pay somebody 75% of what they're actually worth and convince them how great it's going to be. Right. With, you know, because that's what yeah. it is. Yep. In a new company, you're not going to pay market rate. You know, you got to mm-hmm. say, look, we're going to go out and build something together, right? But no, the amount of persistence and follow-up that it takes to get these things done, it's just way beyond what most people think, mm-hmm. even sales professionals, believe it or yeah. not. So uh, it was more when I started, like I learned that same lesson. I'm like, oh, okay. Consistency and persistence is what I've got to just be. I've just got to have that and just keep going, keep your head down and keep moving forward. Yep, absolutely. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think there's been a lot of good, valuable nuggets that people can take listening in. 
But I'm curious, so the fifth trait of pencil leadership is everyone created uniquely with purpose and potential to leave a positive mark in the world. So when everything is said and done for you here on earth, what do you hope your positive mark is? Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> I don't know. You got to come back and check with me every five years on that one because I, right. I think it'll change. My hope is that we become successful enough that maybe there's some philanthropic stuff. 20 mm-hmm. years from now, it'll take a yeah. while. Yeah. But the point is that just with respect to these companies, which are still relatively small, but you know, we're trying to make a positive impact on the people that are on teams and our employees mm-hmm. and the clients. My feeling is if you go out and have a high level of integrity about what you're doing, treat people really well, you have, you know, patience, which is what we've been talking about, then, you know, you're going to leave people better off having dealt with you or worked with you than they were before. Absolutely. And that's a good thing. I mean, I think that this isn't even getting into having the businesses be, you know, charitable, because that's not what I'm saying. But Mm. it's about having people better off after they were your friend, were your coworker, were your client, whatever, any relationship with you, better off than they were before. Mm. And the way that I see this, this is what I tell people when we're hiring new people now, is when you work with us, what I'm trying to create is that the company is a vehicle for you to accomplish your goals. So if you stay one year, if you stay 20 years, doesn't matter. But yep. you know, what are your personal goals? What are you trying to do? And can we make this a mutually beneficial sort of a situation where you use this as a vehicle? What I mean by that Mm. is, for example, we've hired professional musicians, obviously, to work in the live music company. And I'm trying to think of a good example. You know, maybe a good example is now that I get the income from working, you know, office job, if you're a business job, if you will, even though it's music related, mm-hmm. that allows me more freedom to work on the artistic side of my music without having to worry about taking every, you know, opportunity because I need the money, you know, some things like yeah. that. You know, there's all these different things like that. Yeah. So that's sort of how I see the businesses. I think similar to you really like sort of coaching or helping people, you know, this kind of subject we're talking about, I think is fulfilling. You know, you take someone who wants to start their own business or, you know, become successful. And I'd like to do more mentoring or coaching, Mm. teaching in the future, stuff like that. I got a long time. So at some point in the future, I think that would be very satisfying to do that. But for sure, that's my 2021 answer. No, I I like it. Yeah. I think you got the vision there and I can see the structure and you headed in that direction. So it's really cool to see the impact you want to do in so many different ways within your team and with other people out there. So yeah, very cool to hear. Now, where can people connect with you, find you and find out more about what you do? I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you go to LinkedIn slash Matt Wiggler, I think I'm the only Matt Wiggler. So you'll see me. <laughs> and my website is mattwiggler.com, which is a good landing place where you can see music stuff. You can see links to the businesses on there. And uh, yeah, so I would definitely say, yeah, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn because I'm always posting stuff. And, that to me is a great platform. That's the only social media that I use. I'm like kind of old fashioned in some ways. I <laughs> use Facebook or Instagram. I mean, I, I do have a Facebook, but I never use it. But LinkedIn yeah. is where I'm concentrating all my energy. Energy. That's awesome. Well, yeah, everyone, make sure you get connected with Matt and check out what he's doing. It's really a lot of cool stuff out there. 
Again, Matt, thank you so much for being on Pencil Leadership today. Thanks, Chris. I really appreciate it. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.